Welcome back to Real Women, Real Stories, episode four. Today on the pod, we have a very special guest. Her name is Miss Courtney Swift. She is a Southern Belle from Kentucky, and um, I'm so excited to have her on. I wanted to kind of provide a little bit of background about um, our kind of history and things before she comes on the pod. So me and her actually first met 10 years ago in a hotel. I was coming out of college and I was actually supposed to, I had three interviews in one day and I was supposed to work at another hotel and they both wanted me. And then I just chose this one for whatever reason. It was closer to where I lived. I don't know. I just had like a feeling about it. So I ended up working there and um, she was there, I think a little bit after I was, um, And so I remember she was, you know, very young and very well-rounded. She already had traveled the world and she went to Australia and New Zealand by the time she was 25. And I was just like completely fascinated by her because in all of my travels and everything, I never quite met anyone like her who's from the South and who also had such worldly experience at such a young age. So it was a real joy to get to know her. And as we like would go out, we would have fun, we would laugh and we would go out mutually with like all of the people in our group um, who we worked with, of course. But then like me and her, our friendship just started organically. Um, And so she and I would just kind of hang out on the weekends or when we weren't working Um, She actually lived very close to me when she first arrived in Philly. Um, And I'm excited for us to learn more about her story because there's actually a whole entire story dedicated to how she got to Philly and she was actually looking at other cities to live in. Um, So yeah, she traveled around the world by the time she was 25. And then she briefly left. um, After we briefly worked together, she went to London for grad school. And I was like, Oh, am I ever going to see this girl again? Because, you know, you never know you work with someone you don't know. And then she moved back home. And then she actually moved back to Philly, met her current boyfriend who lives here, who I actually knew from high school, which is so funny. But we didn't know each other in high school. It just it's it's a funny story. And then they met and then, you know, I knew him. Um, like I, I recognize his face and everything. So we had, we stayed in touch and things and she's always just been like a really good friend to me. And, um, I always just have the best time when I'm around her. Honestly, you know, those friends where you laugh and you just have the best time. I mean, that is her. She's always just funny and she's just really relaxed and laid back. And I think that's from her Southern charm. Um, and, and then like, Throughout the past couple years, um, we've gotten a lot closer as we've worked together again. And then um, we actually had a wonderful experience where pre-COVID, we went to the Kentucky Derby together, which was like, it was a decision that we made like on a whim. We were like, do you think we should go this year? And we were like, let's do it because why not? So we ended up, you know, getting our plane tickets. And then we were like, okay, how are we going to do this? Because we couldn't fly into Lexington because of the Derby. So we actually had to end up flying into Cincinnati. And then, you know, American Airlines is notorious for being late all the time. There was also like a snowstorm, not a snowstorm, a thunderstorm. Um, And so we were like, having a hard time getting off the ground. We were on the runway for a while. And then in the air, it was like really turbulent. And she was like holding my hand. I was, I've been flying many, many times, but I've never flown on a plane that small in a thunderstorm. It was just like a perfect storm of things. So we landed, got to Cincinnati, and then we went um, on our merry way to uh, Louisville. Um, she is from Lexington, but the Kentucky Derby was happening in Louisville. We actually stayed with a family friend, which was great. And then when I arrived in Kentucky, I like immediately was like, wow, this is not what I expected. It was green everywhere. It was like this sense of like home. It really felt like, even though I've never been there, it really felt welcoming to me. Even from the very first, like there was a sign that says, welcome to Florence y'all. And it was just so Southern, even though it was near Ohio, which would like blew my mind. Because if you think about it, Kentucky is not that far from Pennsylvania. And she would always be like, I've drove here like, you know, within 10 hours. And I'm like, wait, isn't Kentucky like near, I don't know, like, 
somewhere near Nebraska. <laughs> my, I just, oh, you know, you always think that um, states are like in a different place than where they are. It's pretty funny. So we ended up um, going to Louisville and we, it was the forecast the next day was called for rain, which actually the first Monday in May always rains for the Derby. And we were like, you know what? We're going to get some ponchos and some rain boots and we're just going to have the best time. And I can't even begin to tell you how fun it was and how hospitable I felt there. Like even like the Walmart clerks, they were like, how are you? And oh my God, you're going to the Derby. That's so fun. And I swear, Kentucky was like a lot friendlier than I ever perceived it to be. And I didn't know much about it previously. Um, so ever in the food, I thought was pretty good. Um, and we stayed with her uncle, which was really nice. And he was very hospitable. And he, he always asked me if, if I ever have everything I needed, which was really cool. Um, so yeah, then like we got to see, um, the beautiful Kentucky Derby experience. And when they say it is the most exciting two minutes in sports, that is an understatement to how exciting the Kentucky Derby is. At the end, it is like it really is the most exciting two minutes in sports. And I just wanted to kind of play the Derby from this year. Um, and just so you guys can kind of hear for yourself how exciting um, the end result of the Derby is. Thanks, winner. Tis the law. Just two and a half length behind. Outside of horses in clear running room. And then it's Major Fed right alongside of Money Moves racing for the far turn. Attachment rate is next. Mr. Big News is about eight lengths behind right now. And Honor AP still lingering along at the back of the pack as Authentic takes them around the far turn. Tis the Laws making his move now. And here he comes right up alongside of Authentic. A long shot, Mr. Big News has made a big run up into third. And they're into the stretch. And it's Tis the Law on the outside of Authentic. These two stride for stride as they come to the final furlong. Authentic is dragging in. Tis the Law all up to get by him. Authentic and John Velasquez have the lead as they come down to the 16th ball. Tis the Law still trying to get him. Authentic. Tis the Law. Here's the wire. Authentic has won the Kentucky Derby. So as you can see, it's like really exciting. There's a lot of anticipation in the air. People are really like placing their bets. This year was Tis the Law. And I'll tell you what, I there is nobody on this planet Earth that I would have rather had that Kentucky Derby experience with than Miss Courtney Swift. So on the other side of this, we're going to learn a lot more about her, including her background and growing up in Kentucky, her um journey to Philadelphia and then what keeps her here and then maybe where she's going next. So stay tuned and we will be back on the other side of this break with Miss Courtney Swift. Getting a promotion at work must feel really good. Why not celebrate moving up the ladder by moving to Somerset Hills? The neighborhood of Somerset Hills is now entering into the third phase of building. Choose from dozens of single-family homes on pie-shaped lots tucked away on Lily's Fair Court, perfect for young families and parents who want a safe and secluded street on which to raise their kids. With homes selling quickly, you'd better act now so that you can move into your dream home before the first snowfall. Open houses are being held every Saturday and Sunday from 12 until 4. To learn more about the Somerset community, visit our website online at 856 347 31 Two, five. Move in today and stay for a lifetime. Okay, and welcome back to Real Women, Real Stories. Um, so right now I have Courtney Swift on the pod. Welcome, Courtney. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, so excited. Um, so how are you doing right now during quarantine? What's going on? You know, I'm doing good. I uh I'm one of these one of the fortunate few, I think, I always try to remember to not um, not take it for granted that I actually, you know, I don't have any kids, I don't have a mortgage, I don't have any car payments, um, you know, I'm doing okay. Um, awesome. And I know yeah. you said you, we were talking before about 
that you were just saying before how like you wanted a mental break. So what is that like having a complete mental break from working right now? Yes. Um, it's kind of all over the place, really. Like you remember when we, we worked together and I just, oh my gosh, the last few months we were there, I would constantly say I would, I would give anything for even just a staycation. Like I just need to not work for a while. It would be amazing. And here we are in 2020 and we've been out of work since April. And I understand you bought a hamster. Have you catch up on right? Have you catch up on anything fun? I know you just bought a hamster. Yes, I bought a hamster. My first hamster ever. His name is Guillaume, and he's a gentleman, and he's very sweet. And yeah, he's been the light of my life this this quarantine. Really, like I uh, I got him in April. Um, oh wow! Okay. I figured I was like I know this is. This is a big change. We're going to be here for a while. I need a little buddy to snuggle me at night and get through. Besides my boyfriend, you know, <laughs> a little fur buddy. <laughs> now, I first met you in 2010 um, when you moved to Philly and I was just first out of college. Um, and I, I know you told me the story before, but can you tell our listeners like the process of coming to Philly? And I know that you were looking at like other cities and what was it about Philly that brought you here uh, 10 years ago? Yeah, sure. You know, it's, it's funny, people kind of give me blank faces when I say this, but I really just wanted to, I've always kind of, I love travel, just like you. And I've always wanted to move somewhere that I've never even visited. That was always kind of a dream of mine to just show up somewhere with all of my belongings and make a new life. Um, and so I've also always kind of had this fascination with the Western part of the States. And I went and visited a childhood friend of mine when I was 16 by myself. And it was just such a great trip. And it was, it was so gorgeous. And it's so different from Kentucky where I'm from. It's just such a different landscape, um, that I've always kind of been fascinated with it. So I was actually thinking about moving to Albuquerque, which I've never been there. I hear it's beautiful. it looks gorgeous in photos and it just seemed like kind of the right size city. But as I was kind of looking into it, I guess I kind of honestly kind of chickened out a little bit just as I was planning it and thinking of it more, I was like, man, just moving so far away completely alone. Am I insane? I I don't know. What if I hate it? What if I hate it? I've never visited. I don't know if I like it. And, um, you know, one of my, (laughs) one of my best friends from high school, uh, Haley, she had, she had come to Philadelphia to, um, pursue speech language pathology because Temple has a really great program here. So she came here and then she loved Philadelphia so much. She ended up staying. And so, you know, I was talking to her about it at the time and she actually just convinced me to come to Philadelphia. She was like, you know what? I, I'm. I'm in Philadelphia. I love Philadelphia. It's so great. I, you should come here. Why don't you just come here? I'm here. Yeah, you know right. Monkey completely alone. And uh, so that's actually what I ended up doing. And um, so I came here. And um, what is it about Philly that you let you like? You like the history, the food, the attractions? Like, what are some things that really drew you to yeah. this area that you still love? All of that. It's like, it's such a different culture from Kentucky, where I came from. Um, I just, I've always been, I've always had kind of an adventurous spirit, and I've always wanted to explore as much of the world as I possibly could. And um, I really wanted to move somewhere that was just totally different, you know? Because to me, it's like the more different, the more adventurous it feels, the more of like I'm in a video game or something, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> It's like, I really wanted to go somewhere different. So, and of course, Haley being from Kentucky knew how different it was. We, you know, we're both from Kentucky and, um, and you, you, yeah, you left and then you came back. And so you're still here. And I understand you have, you know, you found a solid group of friends, including me the first time. And then you met your boyfriend the second time. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. It seems like it was a match made in heaven, really drew me back. You know, I came here, I had a really awesome, awesome year when I first moved here, 2010 to 2011. I met some really, really great friends, including you. 
and um, had a really just fun year. But there was something, something in my mind that I really, I really wanted to go to Europe because I have, I've just, and there's always, I have a never ending travel bug. It's always biting me. And I was like, you know what? The adventure isn't big enough. I need to go abroad. That's the adventure I need. Um, and so, of course, I, I ended up going back to Kentucky for a while, saving money, went to London, um, got my master's degree there. And then, of course, it's so hard to stay there nowadays. Right. Um, to, to, to stay there. They just make it, it just seems to get harder every year to just stay if you want to with the visa requirements and everything. Uh, but anyway, so I came back and then I ended up moving back to Philly. <laughs> So I, yeah, I was like, you know what, that, that was great. So let me just go back to Philly. Now, so a lot I of people would be, um, I mean, it's, it's really interesting because you're very different than me growing up. Like I grew up in a liberal bubble on the East coast my entire life. I never like lived in a Southern state of any kind. We would hear about it in school and that was it basically. Um, and so it's really interesting and gr wonderful that we're really close friends, but from two completely different back backgrounds. So you're a Southern belle in Kentucky. Um, can you reflect on your upbringing in Kentucky and how that has shaped you as a person? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I was just talking with Haley uh, the other night and just talking about how it's funny how I'm so kind of different in a way than my parents and she feels like she's so similar to her parents and I've been I've turned out just completely different so my parents um they grew up super super strict conservative Pentecostal Christians in rural Kentucky um they actually they, they got married very young my mom was 20 when she had my older brother um she actually I think she yeah she got pregnant out of wedlock and then they married which is very very common in, in kentucky you know that's oh wow just what okay do. that's what people do you know they get married young they have babies young that's it that's the life cycle but um and so you yeah, grew so up I, like in a really conservative environment and um what was life like like in your early years when you were there it's, it's, it's interesting because when I was born, I was born in Litchfield, Kentucky, which is a very small town, just about like uh, almost three hours west of Lexington. And then when I was two, I was young when they moved to, quote unquote, the city, which is Lexington, Kentucky, which is small compared to Philly, of course, but to us, that's the city. Um, so I was two years old when I moved to Lexington and... It's a, it's a very different culture, Litchfield to Lexington. Uh, I still have family, lots of family in Litchfield, and uh, it's just a totally different experience. Um, but they, my parents still, with that background, they were very conservative and religious. They moved to a more liberal area. But um, and I, my my dad, my whole childhood was just searching for quote-unquote church home in Lexington which oh wow basically, basically trying to find a church that was as conservative as the one that they grew up in in rural Litchfield and um, I guess they couldn't quite it was a little harder to find in a bigger city uh, but you know the ones the ones my parents grew up in well they grew up in the same church um, in this small town and it's very Pentecostal. So if you don't know what that is, it's, um, these are the, the people that will speak in tongues. You were telling me. <laughs> they will, um, a lot of, if you're in the con more conservative sects or churches, you know, the, the women never cut their hair because there's, there's some passage in the Bible about women's glory being their hair or something along those lines. So women don't cut their hair at all. They grow up very long and they, the Pentecostal look, if you will, they'll kind of put it in a bun on top of their head. Um, and they don't wear pants at all because women don't wear pants. That's, you know, that's verboten. Um, long skirts. So there's a certain kind of look to it even. You can kind of recognize. And I know you were telling me, like, so there was this one night that we had in 2020 that was epic that we had no idea would never happen again because of Corona. But we were like, let's go to the bar. Let's, there was a new hotel in town. It was like 60 floors up. Let's go. Let's drink. Let's have fun. And it was a hilarious night. I had so much fun there. And I, like, 
I don't even know how we started talking about your upbringing, but you were talking about your time at church camp. And like, for me, I went to a Jewish camp. Um, and you know, just a disclaimer, like we're not going to come at anyone's religious beliefs, but I just wanted Courtney to retell her, um, personal journey from that time of going to church early on into then kind of almost dropping those beliefs altogether or becoming somewhat of an atheist. I'm curious to hear your personal journey. Um, and just for those at home, this is actually completely new to me. And the only time I've ever known anything about a religion other than my own in when I was younger was being an after school program in a church. So that was it. Like I, I was Jewish and that was it. So I'm very curious to hear your, your process. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Where do we, where do we start? Um, yeah, it's funny because my parents, I feel like as I've been on a religious journey, my parents have also been on a religious journey and they, what it has led them to is to be a bit more liberal over time. Uh, while just more and more liberal over time. And I have to say, I'm just grateful for that. I'm, I'm really glad they're very, um, they're very loving and open-minded people. So I'm just, I'm so grateful for that, honestly. And if I ever, when I, if I speak harshly about the religion we grew up in, I don't want anyone to be offended or anything like that. Um, but yeah, just tell just, me your like personal journey, like how you, like what happened. Yeah. So, so over time, the churches just remember as I grew up, the churches got more and more liberal as we went. So as a young child, I went to very, very strict conservative churches. And then over time, even through like a young teenager, still very, very strict. Uh, but then over time they got a little bit more relaxed. Um, but basically, uh, you know, and there's, there's different levels of it, but, uh, the assemblies of God churches is where we went and they, um, they can be very, very conservative. So like I said, women don't cut their hair. They don't wear pants. Um, they taught us that man obeys God and woman obeys man. Wow. Um, yes. So, and it was very clear growing up that women were kind of second class citizens in creation, you know, like man was created first and then women were created as a help meet to man, like literally just an accessory to man wow. as I look at it. And um, so that's, you know, that's how I grew up believing that man obeys God, woman obeys man. Like my dad even said at one point, like he, oh, you could be, you could be something great. You could be a preacher's wife, um, which always stuck with me. It's like, wait, the, the best thing you could think of is to be the wife of somebody else. Uh, and you're like, uh, <laughs> wait, what if I, wait, what if I want to be the preacher? Is that, you know, what if I have something to say? Yeah. I was just, um, I, I, I always just kind of clashed with it, to be honest, even as a very young kid, I just felt, I, and I always struggled with it. I struggled with my faith. You know, they taught that faith was such an important part of of your spirituality you know now i know you said like later on like um yeah. when you got older and you were just like you this was like when you were in college you were at a church i think you were in a church organization in college and then you were just like i'm done because they were basically trying to influence your vote and you were like you could see right through it yes yeah well so by that point i'd been for years kind of struggling with my doubt and just thinking like I, I just can't you know i've always had doubts and people could never answer my questions satisfactorily um but yeah when i got to college i i joined uh oh my gosh what's it called crusade for christ or something along those lines it's a you know college christian organization and um Anyway, they were fine, but I just remember for the first couple of years, we would mostly all go to the same church together. And when they got to the point where they were just, just telling us how to vote, they wouldn't say it explicitly, but this was when, you know, before Bush was president. Um, I remember in, in our meeting, they were saying, you know, a, they wouldn't say it specifically, but it was incredibly like vote your clear that they were like a Christian votes Republican, you know, a Christian votes on their values, which the values are reflected in the Republican party. 
Um, and you know, that's almost a hundred percent based on, um, abortion and their abortion beliefs. Wow. Um, but that, that just, that was one of, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back because I was planning on voting democratic. I always, you know, I was raised democratic. Right. Like you, Um, so it's like this, like you were being pulled in one direction and then like, thank God for your parents because they were like more liberal. And then you just, you kind of like formed your own opinion and that's that's really important individuality you know they've always thank god for them because despite their super conservative upbringing they always kind of valued my individuality as well and they you know that at the same time they would make me go to church every sunday and make me go to youth group on wednesdays they also as an older teenager you know when we were going to the super conservative church where women don't wear pants i would show up in jeans I would be like, I'm going in jeans. I wear jeans, I wear pants. And they would let me do it. You know, they would let me sort of express myself even if I was being defiant um, in a way. So they, they always valued my own self-expression. And Right, that's I'm so important. I'm grateful to them for that. And and they've grown more liberal over the years, I feel like. And they've always, they're just loving, accepting people. So, you know, these kind of hateful churches, they just couldn't really get with it, you know? Now, There's a lot of these churches that we went to that are fire and brimstone, and they're all about hell. And um, that's God. why I had nightmares as a child, honestly. I used to dream about Jesus killing me. Wow. I used to have nightmares. It, it was such a, you know, for me, like, it's a terrifying concept of God is literally always watching you. He's all, he, not only your actions, but your thoughts your thoughts as well. There's no escape. There's a, a judge, an eternal judge that's going to decide your eternal fate, either suffering forever or paradise. And he watches your thoughts. Even you just can't escape. And that just, even as a young child, that was just, that was a lot for me to wrap my brain around. And I used to have nightmares about Jesus trying to kill me Wow. in different ways. Um, and I used to sleepwalk and freak my parents out with that. And now on the Jesus tried to kill me, he was mad. Wow, that's I've never heard it from that angle before. That is crazy. It was scary to me. It was scary. Um, so that, you were that like, kind of religion you can be scary. You children. were like, um, I'm just gonna go my own route. And yo, that that's yeah. that's really exciting that you found your own your own journey. That's amazing. I mean, that took years though. That took years of doubt and just they they teach you, you know, to questions are normal, but faith faith is where it's at. You know, if you if something doesn't make sense to you, um, you got to have faith in God. He's mysterious, you know. So you don't even rely on your own logic. You you just it's seen as a strength to just accept without question. And I know you said before, like, um, everyone like asks you in Kentucky or like maybe in other States, like, Oh, did you go to church? And you would say, actually, no, I didn't. It's not, did you go to church? It's what church do you go to when you're there? And it's kind of awkward. I'm to the point where I'm, Oh, I don't go to church. And then they're, they kind of don't know what to do. It's just such a, part of the culture you know I've, I've shocked people by saying oh i'm an atheist and they just what you're nice <laughs> right they're like how could you but that's that's really important because there might be other people going through their own personal journey and dealing with that that guilt and feeling like you know they're they're doing something bad by having a different personal story and i think it's really important even. Right. I think it's really important that people come to their own conclusion. If you want me to be honest, I mean, we're all Absolutely. here on this earth and we all get to live our lives. So we should live it in the way that we want to. That's how I view it. But I'm not particularly a religious person. I'm more of a community. I love being Jewish for the community aspect. I love talking to other Jewish people. But as far as like what they believe, there's differences in beliefs and, and that's that's okay in our in our um religion. But it's it's really um, exciting that you, you know, have this story to share. And on the other side of this break, um, we are going to actually reflect on our fun times in Kentucky. Well, I've, I've only went there once and we went to the Derby and we had so much fun yeah. with the, we drank some mint juleps. Yeah. So on the other side of this break, we will be back with Courtney. So um, stay tuned, everybody. 
girls, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's not what you wear, it's how you wear it. That's why shopping at Miranda's Boutique on Ridge Avenue is so easy. They have everything, yes, everything, that you need to look and feel your very best at the office. Whether you're a budding Jackie O or an established Audrey Hepburn, Chic Lives at Miranda's and Chic can come home with you. Just go to the website of www.mirandasboutique.com to discover the season selections for fall and beyond. Okay, and we are back with Courtney. So I know that um, last year before COVID, we on a whim decided to go to the Kentucky Derby together. And let me just tell you that there is nobody on the planet that I would have rather had that experience with than you. And it was just a really fun experience. And I think we decided like on a whim, hey, should we go to the Derby this year? And it was like- It was you, Steph. And I'm so glad you did. You were like, hey- the derby have you been why not let's go yeah I was just like on this kick where I was like I was going to Europe and I'm like well let's have another experience and and it you know we started looking up like hotels and and then we had like your uncle Dwayne who showed us beautiful hospitality um and we we bought plane tickets it was just it was it was amazing and so now from the experience of actually being there and what you've actually heard about the Derby growing up, what was your reflection and perspective as someone who's from Kentucky? Like, what did you think overall of being there? Mm. You know, it's kind of exactly how I imagined, but even more fun, you know, we, so we were in the field. We're not super fancy, so we didn't get, uh, you know, seats. We were actually in the field where the party is at. Yes, That's that was, that. Be. it was lit. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's kind of exactly what I thought. Because, of course, I always grew up watching the Derby and, um that's in louisville i'm from lexington never actually been there people are always kind of surprised so i've of course always wanted to go it's such a gorgeous event i've always wanted to put on a dress and a hat and uh feel fancy for a day get day drunk and and we went exactly what we did (laughs) and it was raining so hard and we had ponchos but courtney i had a blast with you in the rain had a blast in, we didn't have um, rain boots, but we we hid under a truck and like we were in the field and it was like, it was just like one of those experiences where like what you make of it is what it is, you know? So it's like, we couldn't stop the rain. We were there all day. You know, why not just yeah. get drunk and have fun? Like it was amazing. Exactly. And you know, that's pretty traditional for the Derby anyway. Like it generally, it rains all the time on the Derby. That's part of the fun. So you get your fancy rain boots on. Uh, which I should, next time I will definitely bring some cute rain boots, um, to be prepared for the mud, especially if you're in the field, like we were. And Um, I was lucky enough to, um, sample mint juleps, which is uh, a signature Kentucky drink, right? And then what's the other one we had? There was another vodka drink, like a lily something. I got into those. (laughs) I I don't remember. We were just chatting with people like people from Wisconsin and people from everywhere. I love that about the Derby. People from all over the country were there and we were all just kind of sheltering from the rain together. We found a big ass truck and we just sat our asses underneath it and continued to drink our mint juleps and just chatted with people around. Yeah. Those people from Wisconsin, they were like, hi, where are you from? Like people at the Derby were so friendly. Honestly, that's I had lost his sister or something. And (laughs) I don't wait. What was that story? I don't remember. Remember, he um, his sister was so drunk, and she was just kind of oh, right, right. And we were cracking up, and yeah, it was it was hilarious. We had fun. There's little bars all throughout there, and little food stands, and. Now, what do you think it was about the Kentucky Derby that maybe surprised you or what uh, changes would you recommend that they could make for like a post-pandemic time, like when you can come back in the stands? What do you think? I'm thinking, which I guess they did this year, but I'm thinking they, I don't even, they couldn't possibly do it the way we did it, you know, with people just crowded in all together in a field. The only thing I would say is I, I want those seats, the, the prices of the sit, the actual seats to come down because 
it shouldn't cost like $500 a seat. You know what I mean? Like you should, everyone should, it should be like a baseball game. Everyone should be able to go and just have a seat and watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you can, you can spend a lot of money being fancy at the Derby. And how did you decide like what outfit to wear? Like what was your process on that? Oh my gosh. I struggled over that. Uh, Haley helped me pick it out actually in the end. But I, you know, I pictured like an off-the-shoulder kind of sundress look with a wide-brimmed hat, and that didn't end up happening. So I think we'll have to go again, and I have to do that because. Oh, again, Courtney, we are a hundred and fifty percent going again. Oh, oh yes. And um, shout out to Uncle Dwayne for the really amazing yes, hospitality. Shout out to Uncle Dwayne, because hospitality it was well. it was cool. after and you know how like the flight went and everything and like how nervous i was and yes you were you were so nervous and i swear to god he made flight. me feel so at home like that oh. that's what my impression that i got from kentucky is like as as someone who like is from like i said liberal bubble on the east coast never been to like a state like that it made me feel like home like everybody was so nice and i think i was like completely blown away by that by the friendliness of the state i really was everyone was so excited for us that we were going um yeah and you know it, it was it was a great wonderful trip and i'm so happy we did that because now that would now, never happen now when can we do it again nobody yeah, knows so it's all up in the air the last chance we could I mean, I guess they had it this year, but um, yeah, they definitely didn't fill it up like they did. When now, they did. to pivot a little bit to the current state of affairs, another thing that really brings us together is another topic that we really share is our passion for politics and fighting for what is right. Um, and true story, I this was like before we knew that each other was like so passionate about politics, but like I was actually at the protest in 2017, the Women's March shortly after inauguration day like i was so fired up and i just like me and my friend drove to dc we're like we're good they're gonna hear me like this isn't right and i realized later through looking at your pictures that you were also there so yeah. that that was amazing and that that like let me know that you care as deeply about these issues as i do and, and me and you have had so many conversations at lunch and just out about our feelings and Currently in, in our politics, it just seems like there is a push toward increased conservatism. And it's very hard to tell if that is what generally the country wants. Like if, if people are just becoming more conservative as time goes on. Um, and from your point of view, as someone who grew up in a conservative state, do you think, is that how most people in the country generally feel or is this a situation of a minority ruling a majority of the people oh it definitely is i mean there, there's definitely a huge chunk of people like are we talking about trump specifically no i mean the people in the country like do you think that there's like even in the bush era do you think that like people were always kind of moving towards conservatism conservatism to begin with like as like a philosophy or is this just a situation where like it is a minority like viewpoint of conservatism and they're finding a way to rule the majority of americans who believe in other politics yeah i mean i feel like comparatively globally we are a little bit more of a conservative country than the other uh first world countries out there but Overall, I really do feel like, and I think we're finding that it actually is a minority ruling the majority. They're actually using gerrymandering and, and different tactics to just hold on to power. I'm talking about Republicans. When actually the majority of the people uh, would have chosen a Democrat representative. Um, and they do choose Democrat representatives and still the Republicans hold power. So, and we've just found that through electoral maps um, and everything else. So, and then I, I feel like if you look at polls, like about universal health care, gun control, pretty much anything, we there's always a majority kind of liberal leaning position in the country. And yet our, our representatives are more conservative than the people, I feel like. That our representatives definitely skew more conservative than the actual majority populace. Um, and I know money and politics has a lot to do with that. 
Now in Kentucky, I mean, there like, there's um there was a Democratic governor, which I think is maybe the first time that that's happened in your state. Oh, I don't, I don't or know. maybe in a long time, but it's been a long time at least. Yeah. So that's a yeah, step in the right that direction. Was close, too. That was close, girl. <laughs> yeah. And he's actually taking the pandemic seriously and, you know, recommending mask usage. And my mom, though, of course, who's in Kentucky was saying people are still not, uh, not really sticking with it from what she sees. And she's getting pissed because she is uh, homeschooling her granddaughter full time now um, because schools aren't open. Right. Like as you look across the country, like it seems like Tennessee, maybe Kentucky, Utah, uh, Arkansas. It's like Missouri, like all the states like in the middle, I think, are like having like a complete surge. And I'm curious to hear. I don't know exactly, but I'm curious as to. With a Democratic governor in Kentucky, it seems like Kentucky never had like a serious outbreak, but maybe because they're bordered with Tennessee and Ohio, which I think are two states that are actually experiencing outbreaks. I wonder how their the governor will react. And, um, you know, I think it's a step in the right direction. I really do. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard because I think he kind of barely won, you know, the, the popular vote. So um my mom talks about how he he's she loves him and he's on there every day um reminding people of the seriousness of the pandemic reminding people to wear their masks uh putting in new mandates when necessary and she's just saying you know the state overall is is red um she's seeing a lot of people not following the guidelines And it's kind of annoying her. She's like, how long is this going to go on? Um, And I saw that, too, when I was visiting Um, with my friend Sarah, who came up from Tennessee. We were, you know, she came to visit me and we were in line ordering and just people just right behind us with no masks. Wow. And I I think it's the American. Cases are rising. People are not really doing the precautions that they're supposed to be doing. I really think it's like also the American mindset of it won't happen here. Like I know that like, like, I'm fine. Yeah. Right. Like it, you know, my family's fine. My family's not sick. And I think that like the individualism that in some ways makes our country so great and saying like, you can have all the freedoms you want. You can practice any religion you want. You can own a gun here. Like it is a free country that, that, it over time has become me, 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 not us, us, us. And that has consequences. And we are seeing, we are seeing that play out in real time where, you know, mask usage isn't about you. It's about protecting other people. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's a problem. That's why other countries with uh, more community driven cultures have had an easier time dealing with this because we're so as you said just individual oriented and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you take care of you that um to the it's like to so many people they're like i'm fine wait a mask just is all about them and has nothing to do with everyone around them they did just for a second they don't consider that it's all about them and um yeah and the virus doesn't care about that the virus, but the virus doesn't care you're about your about your facts or your feelings, you know. No, 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 no. Yeah, the virus is hopping around every which way it can. Yeah, I just feel like yeah, people um they get so defensive. They're so up in arms about it that this is you're in, impinging on my freedom. And um, as we so can see, I mean, here. like yeah. China, like a lot of people in this country, maybe it will never, ever go to China. You know, I, it's not really on my bucket list. I'm not really particularly interested. Like I'd rather go to Japan and Vietnam and Cambodia. But um, I think that like this has shown our country that like anything, anything can happen here. Anything. Anything. Like the 2016 election, anything can. <laughs> now, just to pivot a little bit, um, now if um the Democratic ticket were to be in power in a few weeks, um, or maybe in a few months because there are the elections in a few weeks, but what would it mean 
to you to see a woman as a vice president in our country. As I understand, there have been three women that have ran prior, Sarah Palin, um, Hillary Clinton, and I believe there was another woman in the 80s who never broke through. But this would be the very first woman to be a vice president in our country holding the highest office in the land, not only just a female, but she would be the first African-American woman to be on a major ticket um, in the Oval Office. Um, and so what do you think about that? What's your thoughts? Like, what would it mean to you to see a woman like uh, in a high power position? It would be incredible, of course. Like we all know representation is so important just to even, to even just shape kids minds as to who they are and what they can be so when little girls um and little girls of color can see like a woman in one of the highest positions of power in our government in the world actually like i i don't think you can get that if you're not um if you're not in some way kind of set back in society if you're not a woman a person of color if, if it what you know Society isn't made for you as a white man. You just can't quite see how important that is to have. Do you think you know, it'll inspire have... young girls to run for office in the future? Absolutely. I feel like the more the more women there are in office, the less intimidated other women will be to join that race and that fight. Like, if you know you're going into a body that includes more people that that look like you, uh, the more, the better. Right. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Right. And then more people will get inspired by Kamala and they will be like, okay, if she ran, I can run. And then yeah. you like look around and you're like, okay, maybe I'll run for house of representatives. I just need like how many signatures and like, you know, it, it's very inspiring. She asserts to herself. I'm speaking. <laughs> I love to see that too. That was pretty yeah. amazing when she said, we excuse me, Mr. Vice President, we all need to see that. I'm speaking. And she did it in a way that was like assertive and it wasn't like overbearing. And she put him in her, in his place. And that was amazing to see. I love her. Of course, uh, you know, some conservative commentators will still find her abrasive and, you know, overly much, no matter how softly or calmly she said anything. But that's to be expected, you know. Now, doing her thing. our beloved RBG, who me and you <laughs> in the beginning of the year, <laughs> literally were like, if any, I remember you saying, if anything happens to my Bernie or happens to RBG, I'm fucking done. <laughs> and, un and unfortunately, <laughs> like when that happened, like my fiance showed me the headline and I felt like it was a surreal experience that like, I wasn't really here experiencing that that just happened because no. I could, I could feel the weight underneath me move. Like it was like the, I felt like the earth moved when she I died. Thought it was a joke. Uh, that's what, yeah. Uh, Jim, I think told me about it. And I was like, wait, no, I, th I thought he was kidding with me. It's like, that's not funny. It's a, uh... You know, there's all this bad news lately. Don't throw that in there. We don't need that. It's now, and, and, you know, her story <laughs> of, like, being a lawyer and being, you know, all these law firms, like, wouldn't even hire her when she got out of law school. She was one of only nine women in a class of 500. And one of the, I mean, she has said so many things that are just of monumental importance. And there's so many reasons that we're even, like, the women we are today because of her, like we can get our own credit card. We can have our own the car way loan. we live today because of her. Like I live on my own. I've had credit cards, you know? I, yeah. And it's she, her. it is, it's literally because of her and she's, she's a cornerstone in our American democracy, which is like, it's just like, it's so much bigger than us. Like, and, but one of the big quotes that she said is that women belong in all places where important decisions are being made. And what do you, what are your thoughts on that? What she said? Absolutely. Why wouldn't they? That doesn't that just make sense? Doesn't that just seem uh, like a given? Like, of course they do. Men and women are here. We're about half and half. Uh, we should both decide <laughs> on, on, on how we make the society work, you know, on how we do this thing. 
Um, of course, they should be in positions, but they should be about half. We should be half the Supreme Court. We should be half the Senate. We should be half of the House of Representatives. I um, love when she said, um, when, otherwise. when she said, uh, when will there be enough women on the Supreme Court? And her answer was when there are nine. There are nine, <laughs> of course. Like, and it just makes you think, like, isn't that funny that we just take for granted that in the whole entire history of the Supreme Court, it's just been a bunch of white men. And we just take that as like, of course, these are the arbiters of justice. Um, this is what they look like. This is how it goes. And um, you just stop to think. And then if we think about nine women on the Supreme Court, it seems niche, doesn't it? It seems like that's, oh, that's a bit outrageous. That's a bit um, off balance. Right. And yet for the entire history of the country, we've had almost, you know, one gender on the Supreme Court. And, yeah, and and I think, think in nineteen, it seems kind of crazy. In nineteen seventy three, I think, if I'm not mistaken, nine men. Consider this viewpoint: nine men on the Supreme Court, nine white men decided Roe versus Wade. If I'm not mistaken, that that sends chills up my spine to think that I mean, it's just. It just defies logic and common sense. I mean, just even even recently, um, when you see these, you know, Senate meetings or committee meetings on women's reproductive health, it's all white men. <laughs> if you don't have a uterus, stay out of the conversation. About what women need to do. And it's just bananas. And I feel like just as more time goes by, the more of us are like, are you seeing this? This is crazy. We can't allow this. More of us need to run for office, need to represent. Now I um, ask everyone, go ahead. And I'm just saying we're understanding like with the election of Donald J. Trump, that literally anyone can be in government. Anyone can be a leader. Anyone can be a representative. Like we know that for sure now um, after his election that, uh, we need regular people in government. Of course, we need regular working class people to represent us. That's what most of us are. We don't need 90% um, lawyers, 80-year-old um, white men. Like, this is just crazy. And I feel like we're coming to realize that. And, um, you know, we're, we're starting to change it. We're changing our government. I think we're realizing there's a real big push toward conservatism conservatism and we are like no no that's not what the majority rule wants like reflect the american people it really doesn't um you know if you just look at if you just look at polls you know they all we're, we're just more liberal than our representatives are as a country and so we need to fix that we need to fix our representation and make it more actually representative of our views as a people now courtney um i ask everybody this on the show but everyone always has a different answer so what does being a woman mean to you is it strength is it and being an inspiration of young girls is it being a good friend daughter or sister like what what do you think about when you think about the word woman you know um I think of, have you thought about how just lucky we are to live in this time that we're in now? Um, because to me, I feel like we're lucky. We live in a time where we get to redefine the meaning of womanhood itself. We get to make it what it is because for so much of our history, it was just tied to our biology completely and utterly. Um, we were just expected to be mothers and not have careers. And um, we're, we live in a time where we're getting we're getting disconnected from that. We're getting to make our own fates. We're getting to untie ourselves from just reproducing or just being helpmeets, you know, just being property. <laughs> so it's almost like I feel like defining womanhood is just we're so lucky to get to do it in, in this time in the 21st century because it was so limited for so long. And we now live in a space and time where we get to change it. I mean, we get to, we have more freedom than ever. We get to redefine what it means. Uh, we get to untie it from our biology. We can make it whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. And I'm so grateful for that. And think about the fact that like RBG couldn't even get into law school. And now that like law school right. is just like there for women like that. You think about all these things. things change. Yeah. 
And, you know, as, as now that the push again is becoming scary toward the right where, you know, they're, they're trying to say, no, 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 women stay in your box. Like you're not meant to be over here. Get back in your box. It is, we got to fight even harder um, to, to fight for, you know, women's rights and, and not like cave into this, like, oh, it's the law as written and not interpreted. Like I'm, I've never studied constitutional law, but I really am intrigued because when these people sit here and say the law should be as stated and not as like what they are saying is it should be the way that the founding fathers written it, meaning all men are created equal. So they are they trying to say that let's just go back to 1776 and like forget all the progress that has been made. That is scary to me and that we need to fight like hell. We need to fight because women deserve a seat at the table. Oh yeah. There's, there's absolutely some, some people that would like it to remain that way, just exclusive, but you know, that's, that's the, the founders themselves said, the Constitution is a living document. It is to be amended. It is to be changed with the times. It is to grow as we grow and learn as a people. Um, and so to people who cling too hard to it or just kind of worship it in this creepy way to me, it's like, that's not, it's got good bones, you know, <laughs> and we can grow on it. It's got great bones and we can really make something great out of this document. Um, but definitely we always have to remember who wrote it when they wrote it, the kind of context they wrote it within, um, right. we can make it better. It can only get better from here. Now, and lastly, um, what we have a few more minutes and I just, I know quickly you told me that, um, you're looking at moving back to Lexington in a short time period and then potentially moving to the West coast. Um, so you can just talk a little bit about your plans in the interim. Yeah, so that's just me. I'm always restless, and I'm always thinking, where am I going next? <laughs> uh, but this uh, this year's been weird, hasn't it? It's uh, It's been weird, and it's got me um, – I, I spent a lot of time at home since I got laid off on April Fool's Day, by the way, which was real that's sweet. That's all. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, are you joking? Oh, I'm unemployed. Okay, cool. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I um I have uh my parents obviously in Kentucky and um I have a brother and a sister and I have a niece and two nephews and you said you like you appreciated when, Lexington over time. You're like, oh it's really nice yeah. there. You know, as I as I get older I'm just as I've traveled more I realize what I do like about Lexington as I see more and more places and I've just gotten to a point where I'm kind of really you know, learning the value of my family and missing them this year. You know, I've spent all this time at home and I can't see them. And that's been kind of bothersome because they're in Kentucky. Um, you know, we have FaceTime, but yeah, I just, um, and I feel like I've been reading articles about this. A lot of people are in this position this year where they feel like, what am I doing in a city? Like, uh, nothing's open anyway. Uh, remote work is about to get, um, huge. It's already getting there. Um, so why don't I live somewhere with a lower cost of living, more space for me? Um, Lexington's beautiful. Lexington really is. It's very green. It's the horse capital of the world. I'm going to take you there. Yes, um, I can't wait. We're supposed to go next year. <laughs> yeah. You're definitely coming with me. Yeah. You know, when I was younger, I always wanted to live in a bigger city. Like, oh, this is boring. This is boring. I want to live in a big city where there's stuff just constantly going on and and now yes, you're like, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. To an age where I'm like, hey, you know what? Boring kind of sounds nice right now. Like some more space, some peace and quiet, save some money. That sounds pretty good right now. And, and you're looking to do that next spring? Yeah, I think spring, summer. I don't know. You know, depends. On, what are you doing, girl? You know, when when do we go on our bachelorette party? That could factor in. I don't know. It's 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 pretty open. Fortunately, you know, I'm doing okay in this pandemic financially, and I can kind of you have flexibility. Yeah. See see what happens. And um, I know that you were um you you said like long term plan like West Coast. Um, you love the the nice weather. <laughs> you said. Yeah, I want to live somewhere where it's always sunny. 
Uh, but I love, like, I, I just love travel, and so does Jim, too, my boyfriend. And so, you know, we always talk about saving up our money for a while and then maybe just take me a few months to go all throughout Europe or, you know, we'll go to Asia. We want to go everywhere, but it just requires money, so... That's you know, right. Just got to work on stacking up that money. Stack that cash. Stacking well, that cash Courtney, all. thank you so much for being on the pod today. I could talk to you all day. In fact, I do talk to you a lot. So um, I, I think it's important that people hear our conversations because I always said like we're, we have these amazing conversations that people need to hear like our viewpoints and things. So thank you so much for being on the pod and I'll have you back soon. So thanks so much Absolutely. to my... I'd love to be back. Thanks so much to Courtney for being on the pod today. If you love the Real Women Real Stories podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, everybody, I'll talk to you guys soon.